new on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face -face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious Trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. This week, uh, we're going to follow on with my mini-series here on viruses versus bacteria. Um, today's topic continues our Halloween theme. Um, today's topic is necrotizing fasciitis. It's better known as the flesh-eating bacteria. Um, like, last, like last week's episode on Ebola, I'd like to warn everybody that this episode may veer into graphic medical uh, content. So before we start on today's topic, I'd like to remind everyone that this show is on Thursdays at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am on Zoom during the show. The show is live. If you'd like to talk to me on Zoom, the number is 1-646-558-8656. That's a United States number through New York, so your long-distance charges may apply. Our meeting ID on Zoom is 465-172-862. Oh, excuse me, 882. Um, <clears throat> so let's get started with our topic today. Um, I picked this topic, like I said, as it's Halloween week. I hope everybody's going to have a good Halloween. Of course, staying safe. Um, COVID is still out there. So what is necrotizing fasciitis um, or the flesh-eating bacteria? So according to the CDC, necrotiz necrotizing fasciitis is a rare bacterial infection that spreads quickly in the body and cause, can cause death. So I'd like to point out again, um, this, this condition is rare. It's scary, yes. It's um, one of the more invasive diseases out there. Um, but it is rare. So I, I would caution people, you know, don't, don't assume that you have it just because you have a cut. I would always talk to your doctor, um, about anything like this. So let's get started with that. What is necrotizing fasciitis? Um, again, we did the, um, we did the definition so many bacteria can cause the flesh-eating disease, 
but most experts believe that uh, most of these illnesses are caused by a group of bacteria in the Streptococcus family, strep, uh, group Strep A. Um, if this sounds familiar, um, this is the one, this is the same virus that can cause strep throat. Um, so that's, that's the more typical presentation of group strep A is the strep throat that, you know, we see quite a lot of every year. So how do you get um, necrotizing fasciitis? So group A strep, like many bacteria, enters the body through a break in the skin. This means that cuts and abrasions, needle punctures, burns, and other wounds, including those after surgery, are at risk of contracting strep A. Although infection is most common after a break in the skin, people have been known to get the bacteria after blunt force trauma to an area as well. Um, again, rarer than the open cuts um, and sores and wounds, you can get um, strep A from a um, blunt force trauma wound, which is something that um, it's an injury in which the skin is not does not break um, or does not have a wound. Um, so a note on this um, bacteria before we go further. Necrotizing fasciitis refers to the death of tissue, specifically of the fascia, which is the tissue under the skin um, which surrounds us, nerves, fats, fat, muscles, and blood vessels. So um, basically, this bacteria kills the um, tissue that makes up your muscles, makes up um, tendons, things that hold, hold your body together, basically. Um, and this, is, this type of tissue is called the fascia, and it targets this type of tissue and starts breaking it down. So what are the symptoms of this um, bacteria, bacterial infection? So initial symptoms include, these, these are the symptoms that will first show up if you do have it. Um, a warm red and swollen area of the skin that spreads rapidly. Again, any area of the skin, as long as it's, you know, warm, red, and swollen, it's, um, and it spreads rapidly. So... Um, most of the time when you do have that warm red feeling, um, it could be an indicator of infection in general. In this case, yes, it most definitely is the infection setting in. Um, necrotizing fasciitis, as stated, um, spreads very, very quickly. Um, and it can cause severe pain even beyond the initial infection site. So even if you're not seeing that red swelling, um, pain can still happen further down the affected area. Also, fever is an early sign of this um, condition. Later symptoms include ulcers, blisters, or black spots on the skin. This is, this is what people are most familiar with when they talk, uh, talk about the flesh-eating bacteria is that there are lesions that can appear, it can and do appear on the skin as um, t 
tissues die, die out um, and are affected by this bacteria. Changes in the color of the skin, um, again, redness, there are black patches. Um, it depends, again, you know, how far along are you, that sort of thing. Pus are oozing from the infected area, dizziness, fatigue, and diarrhea or nausea. So those are some of the later symptoms of necrotizing fasciitis. Um, remember, this, this uh, bacteria does move fast, so later is relative. Um, you may experience these symptoms pretty quickly. Um, so because it is so fast, though, providing medical care quickly is essential to treating this, this disease. Um, it's, it's frankly life-saving. Um, the quicker you can get yourself to a hospital or get yourself to a doctor who can admit you to a hospital, the better. Um, so I'm going to stop here for a short note from NHEG. I'll meet you at the other, other side of the break. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. Today's topic is necrotizing fasciitis. I'm your host, Erica Hansen. And in the first segment of the show, we talked about what this is, uh, what it looks like, and some of the symptoms you may experience when you have this bacteria in your system. Um, now we're going to discuss diagnosis and treatment. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it can be difficult to diagnose this disease because many infections can look like necrotizing fasciitis. Um, therefore, in addition to examining the wound, doctors may order several other tests. Um, these tests include tissue samples or biopsies, blood tests to assess the possibility of infection and muscle damage, a CT or other imaging uh, procedure like an MRI um, of the infected area, again, to check out um, tissues and things like that they might be able to see damage to. Um, a note on this, though, because this bacteria... Um, really moves incredibly fast. Your doctor may order these tests, but they may decide not to wait um, on the results before admitting you to the hospital, it, especially if they think it's you have a high prob probability of having this bacteria, um, because the quicker you can get medical care, the um, quite frankly, the, the best odds you have the better odds you have at surviving this, this bacteria. Um, so the most common treatments for necrotizing fasciitis are surgery and antibiotics. Um, because of the seriousness of the illness, again, patients are treated in a hospital setting. Antibiotics are administered through an IV 
and patients receive surgery quickly in order to halt the spread of the bacteria and minimize damage. So here's the other thing about surgery. It is not unusual for patients to undergo several surgeries to remove dead tissue. Um, in extremely serious cases, the patient may require a blood transfusion. Additionally, um, patients may go into surgery because even though um, doctors are administering antibiotics to kill the bacteria, um, the blood vessels and the system that carries your blood throughout your body may be so broken down by the, by the bacteria that it literally cannot carry um, the medication throughout your body because that's how um, antibiotics get it, IV antibiotics get into your body through, you know, of course, the bloodstream. Um, and your, your natural system may just not be able to carry um, the antibiotics to the affected areas in that case. Um, doctors will take you into surgery. Um, so what are some complications uh, with um, necrotizing fasciitis? So unfortunately complications from this infection are common. Um, these may include sepsis, shock, and organ failure, um, lifelong complications from scarring or loss of limbs. So again, um, in order to save a person's life, if a you know if a limb is just too infected, they may have to amputate. Um, sepsis is again a um, basically a blood infection, and again it can go throughout the whole body. Um, shock is when your body just starts you know shutting down because it can no longer. Um, treat itself, and of course, organ failure. Um, these are the most severe complications. Um, <clears throat> so even with treatment, one in three patients with necrotizing fasciitis die, and that's a grim statistic. Um, luckily, again, it is rare, and that's the good news. Um, and I'm very glad to say that it is rare, but it does occur. So I'm going to stop for another um, word from our sponsor, Silicon Valley High School. I'll see you in the next segment in which we will talk about risk factors and um, other things going on with this um, infection. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. Our topic today is necrotizing fasciitis. In the first two segments, I went over what this disease is, how it affects the body, and some of the complications that arise during treatment. Um, 
what are the risk factors for this um, bacterial infection? So although the infection is rare, anybody can contract it. However, a person's risk can go up if they have an underlying health condition that weakens the, their immune system. So some of these underlying conditions that you might want to look out for are diabetes, kidney disease, scarring or cirrhosis of the liver, and cancer. There, there are some others, but those are some of the most um, frequent Necrotizing fasciitis can also be a rare complication of chickenpox in young children. This was interesting to me. Um, it would have never occurred to me, actually, that children could get this disease. Um, thankfully, again, it's a rare complication in a child's case. So what's the good news in this rather grim batch of news? So in addition to being rare... Uh, necrotizing fasciitis is rarely contagious. Most occurrences are random in nature, so there's no real risk of contracting this from a friend or a family member, so much so that doctors generally do not treat friends or family members of an infected person because it just doesn't spread that way. Um, what are some of the preventative measures you can take just to make sure that you lower your risk of getting um, this infection um, <clears throat> further? So common sense and good wound care are the best ways to avoid any bacterial infection, including this one. Um, some ways to prevent infection are the following. So clean all minor cuts and injuries that break the skin, like blisters and scrapes with soap and water. Um, <clears throat> I have a cat, so quite often I do end up with scrapes because, yeah, cats will do what they do, and I will I will definitely always have to wash them off with, with soap and water um, because, you know, I my cat, although he doesn't mean it, can carry an infection that can be dangerous to me. Uh, clean and cover uh, draining or open wounds with clean, dry bandages until they heal. See a doctor for puncture and other deeper serious wounds. Wash hands often with soap and water or use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer or rub if washing is not possible. Care for fungal infections such as athlete's foot. If you have an open wound or skin infection, avoid spending time in hot tubs, swimming pools, natural bodies of waters, lake, uh, lakes, rivers, or oceans. Um, so we're looking at places, bodies of water that either A, can contain a lot of people which can carry their bacteria into the water or natural bodies of water um, that may contain um the bacteria found in nature and from other animals. Um, there is not a vaccine for necrotizing fasciitis. Like I mentioned, the only real way um, for treatment is the antibiotics and the surgery. Um, and even that's pretty dangerous to undertake. So I'm going to just um, stop here for a short message from NHEG and I'll meet you on the other side of the break.
Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store at new-heights-educational-group.myshopify.com. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. Um, just a following note upon today's episode, like I mentioned, we talked about some pretty um, nasty stuff, honestly. Um, I'd like to reiterate to folks, this is a rare condition. And, you know, don't, don't go out there being scared of it, but be aware that this is something that can happen. If you do think you have symptoms, such as I've described um, in this episode, please see your doctor. Um, get advice from your physician on what steps to take, You know what types of things they want to do to um, see if it is necrotizing fasciitis or not. As I mentioned, several uh, different infections can mimic these symptoms, so it doesn't necessarily have to be this particular uh, strep A bacteria. Um, So, you know, definitely just get with your professional, listen to what they have to say, and go from there. Um, Again, as I mentioned, this is rare. It does happen. but far less than perhaps, you know, the movies make it out to look like it does. Um, it's one of the one of the diseases that I like to call the flashier diseases. Like I mentioned with Ebola last week, um, people call it the flesh-eating disease, of course, and they know it mostly because you know, the, the symptoms quite look quite severe and they look quite, you know, gross, frankly. And movies and, and TV and books like to sensationalize such things because um, people are fascinated by, uh, by the macabre, I guess, Um, especially around this time of year, which is exactly why I'm doing this episode, in fact. So um, I'm just trying to, you know, expand a person's understanding of this disease um, and reiterate that it is something to be aware of, but it's not something to panic about. Um, Just because you may see it in a TV show doesn't mean that the... Um, portrayal is accurate or, you know, you know, it, it in fact is most probably not accurate. Uh, movies and TV are notoriously um, inaccurate as far as um, disease is concerned, um, unless they have an epidemiologist or, you know, a infectious disease person on staff that advises them, then they really, you know, mistakes happen. 
So again, I would advise you that if you think you have any of these symptoms that I've listed about this um, bacterial infection, check with your doctor. Um, don't wait because, as I mentioned, um, necrotizing fasciitis is quick. It's really fast. Um, so the sooner you catch the disease, the sooner it can be taken care of. Um, <clears throat> So I'd like to reiterate, this show is on Thursdays at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you enjoy this show, um, please tell your friends. We'd love to have them as well. I enjoy doing this show. I enjoy researching these topics for you. If you have any ideas for future shows, please email me at Erica H at newheightseducation.org. That's Erica H at newheightseducation.org. Erica is with a K. Um, I am on Zoom if you'd like to chat with me that way during the show. Our meeting ID is 465-172-882. Once again, happy Halloween to everybody. Stay safe. Stay, you know, stay indoors. And I'll see you next week. Have a great week, folks. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.